So I am uh, very happy to be here with you. Uh, a little warning, I hope I won't be too gross because, but it'd be interesting in terms of feeling tall because uh, I flew on Wednesday from France to New York and the day before I started to have bronchitis. So I might cough and hopefully nothing too nasty will come up. But time will tell. It has happened on retreat that it things, but we'll see. So uh, this evening, I would like to look at Vedana, which is generally translating, uh, translated as feeling tone. And in order to do that, I think to start us with, I thought that we could start with some meditation. So do some meditation for about 20 minutes, and it will be in a way mindfulness and bringing the feeling tone within it. So if we can find a comfortable posture. Okay, so uh, if we can find a comfortable posture, the back is straight, the shoulders are open, and we can have the hands on the laps or in the traditional posture or in front of us. The eyes can be closed or half closed. And if they're half closed, gazing gently in front of us. And then gently resting our attention on the breath. the air coming in through the nostril, going out again. Just be aware of that. Experiencing the sensation of breathing what is a feeling tone of that experience? Pleasant, unpleasant, or relatively neutral? Now opening our attention to sounds, listening to the sounds in this room, the sounds around us. When we are in contact with a sound, what is the feeling tone of that experience? Pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? If the sound goes, does the feeling tone associated with the sound goes as well?
If the sound continues, does the feeling too remain the same or does it change over time? Now bringing our attention to the body, just being aware of the contact of the air on the cheeks, of the clothes on the body. What is the feeling tone of that sensation of contact? Now being aware of strong sensation in the body, maybe a sensation in the knee or a sensation in the back. The sensation, the experience of a strong sensation. What is the feeling tone of that experience? Pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? Does it change over time? Now being aware of thought, the contact with a thought arising, what is the feeling tone of that contact? When we are aware in a caring and careful way, what is the feeling tone of that experience? When you hear the sound of the bell, what is the feeling tone? So tonight, I want to talk about feeling tones. And the reason for that is uh, because I think they are very important. It's very important to be aware of them. Maybe I'll tell you, I'll start with telling you a little story to, to kind of show you uh, why I think it's so important. 
is because uh, we have to see in terms of uh, the Buddhist framework, uh, there is what's called omnipresent factors, five omnipresent factors, which are contact, feeling tone, attention, intention, and perception. And they all come together. So they're just the functioning of the organism, the functioning of the mind. So, which means that at any given moment, through the six senses, so in Buddhism they see the mind as a sixth sense, through the six senses, we have six contact with what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we feel, what we smell, what we think. And through all these senses and contact, there is this feeling tone of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, and you know, you might have 10 pleasant category, 10 unpleasant category, and kind of a little interesting shift with the neutral. So constantly in, through our life, in this very moment, you know, you might be looking at the Buddha and at the flowers and thinking, hmm, that's nice. You might be hearing the clattering of the AC, hmm, I'm not sure about that. But then you might think, hmm, it's great they put the AC on, so I'm not going to be so, so hot. And, oh, I see a friend I like, hmm. And so, and then you remember something at the office and that person and they said this today and... So, at any given moment, you could have actually three different types of feeling tone. So we have the kind of, they all coexist and sometimes they all go together and sometimes they're a little kind of different. And so, that's why personally I think it's very important to be aware of them because we have a very swift reaction to them. And that's what the Buddha pointed out. That's why the second foundation of mindfulness, you have four foundations of mindfulness, the body, the feeling tones, the mental state, and then everything else. And so the second one is mindfulness of the feeling tone. And I think that's why it's very important because these feeling tone are very subtle. And so they kind of dictate a lot of what we do and a lot of the time we blind to it. It's a little late when we kind of realize something. So now I'll tell my little story and why I think it's so important. So I uh, live upstairs, my mother lives downstairs, I keep an eye on her, she's 89 years old. And so with my sisters, I have two sisters, and we went shopping with my mother a few years ago, and it was great fun, we found things for her, and we came back, and so there was a lot of pleasant feeling tone. And because of this pleasant feeling tone, a little excited, I decided to rearrange a wardrobe. And so put, took everything out of the wardrobe, and then suddenly I could see my mother starting to wilt. That was a lot of activity. So as soon as I saw she was wilting, I stopped and I tidied up and I went up to my flat upstairs. And then an hour later, I was talking with my husband. And then I saw 
that I was talking to him in a very weird way, like quite unpleasant. The tone, the vocabulary, and I thought, why am I doing this? He's not done anything. Why am I in this strange state? And so I backtracked. And what I saw, what happened was that there was this very pleasant feeling tone, which then became an unpleasant feeling tone, and then it spread. And that's why we have to notice that we might have an unpleasant feeling tone here, and then we spread it over there. So, I mean, I think it would be better to keep it there and maybe try to deal with it there instead of then spreading it everywhere. So, let's go back to, in a way, basics. So, uh, mindfulness. What do I mean by mindfulness? I mean a caring, I could say as a kind of a modern translation, caring and careful mindfulness, caring and careful awareness. So when we try to be aware, mindful of the feeling tone, we are not trying to be self-conscious about the feeling tone. This, I think, is very important. We're not trying to be, I catch this one, oh, I caught this one. We're not kind of like trying to be like, you know, becoming anxious, trying to catch all the feeling tone all the time to the same degree. This is not the idea. The idea is actually with this caring and careful mindfulness is trying to weave the mindfulness of the feeling tone, is trying to go inside the experience. So what it adds, it doesn't add commentary on the experience, but it helps us to go more into what is the contact and what's the feeling tone upon the contact. I hear a sound. Today, I saw, I was uh, downtown, and I saw Dean and Luca. And I thought, ooh, Dean and Luca. I'll cross the road. Pleasant feeling tone arising. <laughs> so I go in there, then I see the chocolate. Mm. So I buy four chocolates, four chocolates. Then I buy some cherries, very pleasant feeling tone. Then I go to the cashier, <laughs> and I see the price of the four chocolates. And I think, wow, slightly unpleasant feeling tone. But it's Dean and Luca, so it's a one-time experience in New York. So. In a way, the feeling tone is kind of like they're constantly happening, changing. And so the mindfulness is just to see what is happening. We're not trying to, be, to stop them. That's the first thing. With the mindfulness, we're not trying to stop the feeling tone. Second thing, we're not trying to make them all neutral. With the mindfulness, what is it? we actually see more grad gradation. Often we ignore, most of the time, the feeling tone until they hit us on the head, either fantastically pleasant or very unpleasant. The rest, who cares? I live my life, they do whatever. But here, we actually, what is interesting with this caring and careful mindfulness, which helps us to be more in the experience, 
is we see actually there is a lot of different types of feeling tone. And also what becomes interesting with Vipassana is to see how they change, how they remain, how long they last, what makes them more, what makes them less. So the mindfulness is actually to help us to explore the feeling tone. It's not necessarily to do anything to them, but it's to really kind of be in that experience, to be more aware of them, more conscious of them. And then of course, and then I'll talk a little bit about that and maybe in the discussion about how does it feel in terms of feeling tone to be aware in a caring and careful way. And at that level, to see the difference between having an awareness which makes us more self-conscious, which then brings a little anxiety, which generally is unpleasant. And that's not what sati is about. Sati is actually helping us to be more caring and careful in a stable and open way. So that being aware also has its own feeling too. And we can explore that in the discussion. So, feeling tone. Uh, so, tone is T-O-N-E, because I am French and I have a funny accent. So, And sometimes it's translated this Vedana, V-E-D-A-N-A. This is the original Pali language at the time of the Buddha. So, it can be translated as hedonic tone, affective tone. I prefer to use feeling tone. And so it's kind of, it's not, and I don't, I'm not using the term emotion, because sometimes people call it emotional tone. Personally, I feel Vedana is just that contact, that immediate, mm, I see cherry, mm, I have an immediate thing with cherry in June. There is this, you know, I am here in a, in America, while there is lots of cherries in France in the market, you know, so I have a mixed feeling tone about this. So it's, it's really that immediate contact. And of course, with the immediate contact, because we have a fast reaction to it, we might have what I would call a feeling sensation, which then we feel more in the body. And then we might have more an emotion. And then we then might have more a disturbing emotion. But when we talk of the feeling tone, we talk about the immediate. Hmm, I like this. I don't like that. This immediate upon contact. And I think what is very important to see, and I think that's why the mindfulness can help us to see, is that the feeling tones are constructed, and they're constructed in different ways. So the feeling tone is not in the cherry. I think, you know, oh, the cherry is good, but the feeling tone is not there. It's me over time, for whatever reason, I like cherry. So, so it, over time, I have developed, in a way, this association. So, so that, you know, you have, um, I have a friend, she cannot, she hates coffee. 
So when I offer her chocolate, I must make sure if it's a box of chocolate, there is no coffee in the chocolate. Otherwise, she's not going to touch it. So no coffee in any form whatsoever. So coffee, unpleasant feeling tone. Most other people, coffee, pleasant feeling tone. So it's a different construction. I have a friend, he's a composer in uh, Rome, and he complains about the pigeon. He said their pitch is not correct. And so it kind of stops him from composing. So he had to close the door, even close the window, even in the summer. I hear the pigeon, I mean, it doesn't do anything to me. I'm really not musical, no feeling to so it. So we have the construction from the past. So you could say it's conditional. The feeling tones are conditional, conditioned upon past association. But also, it can be conditional in terms of the present. It can be geographic condition, weather condition. Like, for example, in summer, I like ice cream. I see ice cream in the summer, and I think, hmm. In the winter, I think, how can they eat the stuff? You know, this is cold. So you have the same stuff. And according to the weather, it will give me a different feeling tone. So it's also constructed in, in terms of the present, in terms of the condition. And we know sometimes we're tired, and then we see something, and we think it's fantastic, and, and other time we're not, and then we don't think it's so fantastic. It just depends. And also, So that's one thing about the feeling tone. Another thing which is interesting in terms of the feeling tone is how they change. That I think is very interesting how does the feeling tone stops when the contact stop. So when the sound stop, the sensation stop, the thought stop, does the feeling tone stops too? Or does the feeling tone, in a way, is kind of like an infusion, and it remains? That's an interesting thing to look at. And I think the mindfulness, you see, I think the mindfulness sometimes can help us to, to, to look at that with Vipassana. What's happening with that feeling tone? Or if you have the same contact which lasts a little bit, does the feeling tone continue to be the same? I mean, that was my first revelation when I did, many years ago, my first Vipassana retreat, because before that, I did lots of Zen meditation, which was very different. So yeah, I was on a Vipassana retreat, and the instruction was to you know, eat, uh, notice a feeling tone with the food. So I took a cherry again, and I, First, I chewed it at the beginning. You know, I get the cherry, and look, you start to eat something you like, you're barely starting to eat it, you're already going for another one. But here, because it was a Vipassana exercise, I stayed with the one cherry, and I chewed and chewed and chewed and chewed, and it's true, the feeling tone changed. Because often what happens, not all the time, but often what happens is that 
then the feeling tone reverts to neutral. This is an interesting thing to look at. Is the feeling tone augmenting, increasing, remaining the same, or is it reverting to neutral? And that's, again, interesting for us to look in terms of our different conditions. And in the sutta, in the early Buddhist text, there is one record of a teaching of a nun. So it's not the Buddha speaking, but it's as good as the Buddha. And so they kept it there for 2,500 years. And this is what she says about feeling tone. She says, as long as a pleasant feeling tone continues, it's pleasant. When it stops, it can become unpleasant. And that, I think, is something to look at. The fact that we have a really, really good time and it's really, we have lots of pleasant feeling tone, and suddenly it stops. And then, in a way, instead of reverting to just neutral, poof, in contrast, it can become unpleasant. So to kind of notice that, notice the change. Next one. If an unpleasant feeling tone continues, it continues to be unpleasant. But if it stops, it can become pleasant. And actually, a few years back, they did some, um, I mean, they're not Buddhist, but they did some scientific experiment with pain. And so it was an, uh, a, a surgical procedure, a regular one, and they wanted to see what was the best way to do it. And they thought that people would prefer a longer, less painful thing than a shorter, more pain painful intervention. And actually, it was the opposite. They preferred the short, sharp one than the longer, less painful. Because once the short, sharp one was finished, it was like, oh, it was very pleasant or at least relatively neutral. I mean, once I taught a retreat, a Zen retreat, I was teaching it and I had a toothache. So I would be sitting in meditation and suddenly I had the toothache. It was like really sharp, but it was very brief, just like a, a second. So I would have it and then it would stop. Oh. And so it was, like, it was very interesting that just the two different feeling tone. And so in a way, when, for example, we have a headache or we have a stomachache and we're very aware of it, and when it stops, we're very aware of it for about a week and then we forget that we don't have a stomachache, we don't have a headache. It becomes neutral. It becomes normal. Then you have the last one. And that's the most interesting one. And she says... If we understand neutral feeling tone, they can become pleasant. If we don't understand neutral feeling tone, it can become unpleasant. And this, I think the neutral feeling tone is basically, the, I mean, in the text, is neither pleasant nor unpleasant. That's why I say neutral. But to me, this was in a way my discovery of the feeling tone was a neutral feeling tone. 
So for many years, I heard in Vipassana tradition, I heard about the feeling tone, the mindfulness of the feeling tone, and I would sit in meditation, and I would try to look for the feeling tone. And I could not find anything. And so I thought, I can't do this. You know, I mean, where are they? I mean, I can't find them. So I would look and look and look. Until I realized I was finding the neutral feeling tone. And then, and then it totally, in a way, changed my practice because I realized that, in a way, when you sit in meditation, you can have actually quite two different levels of feeling tone. Because you can have the feeling tone of the contact. The contact of just sitting there, the contact of hearing the sound, the contact of having a thought, the contact of having a sensation. So that gives you a feeling tone. But as you sit in meditation, maybe it's not very, the, the, it may be just in the range of pleasant number one or two, or unpleasant number one or two, unless you have really something uh, problematic. But then I realized that you also had, you could also be aware of the feeling tone of the awareness. And that is interesting. The feeling tone of the awareness is neutral, veering to pleasant, generally. So that's something also we can explore, the difference between the feeling tone of the contact, the direct contact through the senses, and the feeling tone of the contact with the awareness itself. And so, how can a neutral feeling tone turn into unpleasant? I mean, this, I think, is one of the big things nowadays is boredom. I mean, this seems to be that's one thing which is really terrible is boredom. You know, my, uh, my niece, when uh, she was younger, and I used to look after her, and she would have crisis of boredom. I am bored! And she would kind of, you know, shout and cry, and this was like the most terrible thing in the world, to be bored. So we are very, I mean, often there is really bad association with neutral feeling tone. But neutral feeling tone, at least nothing is happening. That's already something. Nothing bad is happening. I mean, I had this lady I was working with and uh, she was saying, that's true. Because she was, you know, from Poland, she arrived living in London, and she thought London was going to be exciting and everything, and she did not find London as exciting as that. So, you know, and then she had a toothache. And then she said, oh, it was better before, you know, before the toothache, even if London was not exciting, at least it was neutral, you know. And so she could see the difference between unpleasant and just played neutral. And then she could look at it in a very different way. Instead of thinking, oh, this is boring, which become unpleasant, this is neutral. And so in a way, often neutral is seen a little as a beginning of equanimity, the beginning of peace. It doesn't mean that we must be neutral all the time. This, I think, is very important. But that actually, personally, for me, I think that neutral is a baseline. I think, in a way, often we might have the assumption that normal is pleasant number five, 
if normal, the baseline is pleasant number five, you can only go up five, and then you have 15 to go down. And so, in a way, if you have the neutral as a baseline, you can go up more and go down less. But then there is, personally, I feel, it seems to me, that part of uh, the, the awareness practice is helping us to see that, in a way, we go up or we go down. But it's really helpful for the organism to come back to the baseline so that we might go into lots of excitement, then come back to the baseline so we can rest the organism. We might have unpleasant feeling tone, but then we come back to the baseline and then we can rest. And I think that's what in a way is difficult when we have uh, lots of difficulty or if we have depression, is that actually the baseline go down. So your baseline is minus five. And then it's kind of like, how can I go back up to the neutral? And so that's why, I mean, many different things are done so that people can go back to that neutral and then hopefully go a little up. So I think that's also what is interesting to look at in a way the difference, like the baseline going up, going down. So again, looking at the change. And then, of course, the next thing is to really look at what is our response or reaction to feeling taught. Because this is a thing that the Buddha pointed out in the text, is that we have this generally immediate reaction. If we have pleasant feeling tone, generally we want to have more of them, we want them to continue, Interestingly, we want to repeat them. Let's say you have a nice weekend with friends. As they leave the door, what do you say? Let's do this again. So that we are going to produce exactly the same feeling tone. I'm not saying you cannot have another wonderful weekend with your friend, but you might not necessarily have exactly the same feeling tone. We have to be careful of uh, wanting to repeat, and especially wanting to repeat with something which is new. And I think this is something that might happen with meditation at the beginning. At the beginning, you do meditation, and actually one day you might have what I would call a very wonderful experience, insight, whatever. And in contrast, you really feel really a very pleasant feeling to and so you think, this is fantastic. And then 10 years down the line, you say, why don't I have this amazing, pleasant feeling told from the meditation like I had at the beginning? Because you don't have the contrast anymore. You don't have the newness. So I think we have to be careful with that in terms of feeling told, in terms of the newness. But also sometimes, what we do is that we have, let's say, number one, number two, pleasant feeling tone. But we think, mm, oh, you know. And we imagine how it would be so wonderful if I did this, if I had that, and then I would have, you know, number eight, pleasant feeling tone. We don't think it, but that's what kind of happens. 
And then in comparison to this imaginary pleasant feeling tone, this one is not very much. And so I think we have to be a little careful what I would call the comparison with the imaginary feeling tone. It doesn't mean you cannot hope to do something to have a better feeling tone. I think this is a good idea. But be careful with the comparison. Then you have unpleasant feeling tone. An unpleasant feeling tone, we don't want them. I mean, we have a we don't want unpleasant feeling tone. We have very strong reaction. I don't want this. And the problem with not wanting something is that generally we increase it, we intensify it. That's something I will talk more about tomorrow. And so, in a way, what the mindfulness is going to help us with the pleasant feeling tone to actually appreciate them. For me, I would connect very much mudita, appreciative joy, altruistic joy, with pleasant feeling tone. That actually the mindfulness helps us to see, oh yeah, I am right now experiencing a pleasant feeling tone. I am peaceful, I am whatever it is and to really recognize it and to know it, so that you know you're not always experiencing an unpleasant feeling tone. But you really are totally in the experience. And also knowing this is not going to last. At some point, it will pass. But right now, I can enjoy it. That I think is very, actually it's part of the function of the, or of the mindfulness, not to see <coughs> not to see the mindfulness as, you know, I'm going to get this feeling tone, I'm going to judge them. But on the contrary, to really inhabit, to really experience the feeling tone. So the pleasant one, to really know it. Then the unpleasant one, to actually, oh, this is unpleasant. To know that this too is conditioned, this too is impermanent. And then we can bring the vipassana aspect of the meditation and ask, how long is this going to last? Because if the unpleasant feeling tone doesn't last very long, it really doesn't matter. I mean, once I had this uh, little experience, uh, and it was, um, you know, in a shop, you buy something, and you are in a queue, and then you you don't get it, and you know, the, the lady in the shop was a little thinking I was stupid, I think, because I did not get it, and did not move fast. And, and so, you know, when something like that happened, you feel, you know, and generally your next reaction is, I will never go to this shop again. But instead of that, I thought, okay, how long is this going to last? This little feeling tone produced by this little interaction. So I observe, the feeling tone lasted an hour. Then, whenever I thought of the incident, it came back for another two hours. <laughs> and after three hours, even if I thought of it, it was not there. And I went back to the show. So to me, this is what is interesting, to kind of notice if it really goes fast, you really don't have to do much about it, just, oh, oh. But if it continues, then of course, 
how can I creatively engage with it? And that's what very much the mindfulness is about, is to see this is what I experience. It is unpleasant. It is painful. It's going to influence how I'm going to speak, how am I going to act and things of that nature. And how can I creatively engage with that? I mean, that's what I want to talk also about tomorrow. So to me, this is really the function of mindfulness, of this caring and careful mindfulness in terms of the unpleasant feeling tone. That it helps us to know them, but to know them in a creative way, so that we kind of creatively engage with them. Then another thing I liked, uh, I wanted to, 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 to look at, because I mean this feeling tone, it's a, it's a big subject and I'm just kind of trying to look at little different angle and then we can have a discussion and we can, you know, what you find interesting within it. But another connection personally I make with the feeling tone is in terms of ethics. Personally, I feel ethics is actually basically about how to deal with our reaction to feeling tone. I think that's what the ethics is about. Because if we look, like for example, if we look at the, body, uh, the Buddhist precepts, you have five precepts, ethical precepts, five recommendations. And the first one is do not harm. And then the question is, Generally, I am a relatively harmless person. I mean, the precept is do not kill, but I presume nobody here goes around killing people. So I, I presume at our level, uh, it's about harm. So the thing is to look at, when do I cause harm? <coughs> and a lot of the time, if you look, generally because there is an unpleasant feeling to it of due to many different conditions. And so in a way, it's very interesting, like the other day, I had a, that was a very interesting experience with my husband. I had an unpleasant feeling tone because of this here. And then I thought, wait a minute, I could link that, which has nothing to do with him, to this, which has a tiny, tiny, tiny thing to do with him. And then I could continue this unpleasant feeling tone. And I could see them, mm, yeah, this would be juicy, you know? <laughs> and then the mindfulness, I think, but why would I do this? Why do I want to create more unpleasant feeling tone? And it was suddenly very obvious to me that we kind of, kind of enjoy it sometimes, you know? And so in a way, Ethics is about caring, is about caring for ourselves, caring for others. So then the ethical guidelines are not about don't do this, but they're about explore if you cause harm to yourself or to others. Notice the feeling toward. Then you have the next one is do not steal. Do not take what is not given. Well, why would we be tempted 
to take something, to steal something. Mm. I mean, when I was in my 18 and starting on my spiritual journey, I used to liberate books. <laughs> so I used to live in England, but I used to liberate spiritual books. So I would go to a very famous uh, spiritual bookshop in the 70s in London, and I would steal spiritual books. And I would read them, of course. Until I thought there was a little mismatch between the two activities. And then my solution was actually to stop contact with the books. Because when I saw the books, I had the pleasant feeling told then I would want to steal them. And so for a year, I did not go to the bookshop. And after that, I stopped. So it's kind of like, you know, you want something. And you want something because there is a pleasant feeling to It's the same with uh, sexual... Uh, so the, the sexual precept is not saying you should not have sex. It's saying do not have sex, which cause harm to others. And then it's the same. I mean, generally what, when we do this, it, you know, I want lots of pleasant feeling tone with this person, even if they don't want it, here we go. So it's kind of generally that impetus that kind of takes over. Or when we lie, when we lie, it can go either way. Either we lie because we might get an unpleasant feeling tone. You know when we're young and we break something, and your mother say, oh, you broke this, and you say, no, 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 I did not do it. I mean, they see you doing it, and no, 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 I did not do it, you know, because of the unpleasant feeling to. Or we lie in order to get a pleasant feeling to. So that's an interesting one. And then the last one is, in a way, uh, intoxicant. And I think intoxicant, that it be drugs or that it be alcohol, it can be the same. I think that's also very connected to the feeling tone. If we feel really, really unpleasant feeling tone, then we might take alcohol or drugs so we don't feel it. Or if you take alcohol and drug, you have a very pleasant feeling tone and so you want to take more. And there, was, there is a program in uh, England of uh, yoga and meditation in prison and so there was this fellow who did meditation, and he got into uh, the prison because of uh, drugs and selling and things like that. And so after he'd done his time and he'd done meditation, he thought, he realized that he did drugs because it really gave him a high. So it gave him a lot of pleasant feeling to And so he thought, I need to replace this with something else. So then he took up surfing. So he could get the high, but it was a legal one. So what I'm trying to point out is that uh, we could look at ethics in an interesting way, in a kind of like a meditative exploration, using mindfulness just to notice. Hmm. I'm, oh, suddenly I want hmm, to do this. What's a feeling tone? So I think I'll stop here. Otherwise, it, can, it might become gross. And then you'll have unpleasant feeling too.
So are there any questions or comments? Yes. Thank you so much for your obvious expertise in this. Thank you so much for your obvious expertise in this area. Um, it's an area that I'm just kind of beginning to tune into. I have a lot of neutral feelings. And it's very, very difficult to stay with this. I, I fall asleep when I'm contemplating neutral feelings, or I float away in some kind of way, and I don't know how to anchor myself in the experience of the neutral feeling. So I think what is very important to see is that um, uh, we generally, when we do this in meditation, I presume you've, you're talking about meditation, when we do this in meditation, we need to anchor it with something. So for example, we anchor it so we don't say, oh, now I'm going to look at neutral feeling too, for example. But for example, we anchor it in the breath. If we anchor it in the breath, we're going to have, unless we are asthmatic, we're going to have lots of neutral feeling tone. So I think it's very important to see that with different anchor, we'll be more aware of a certain feeling tone. So for example, if we do listening meditation, and if, there, if it's a very silent place, again, lots of neutral feeling tone, unless you have tinnitus, which when there is lots of silence, <laughs> then you'll have more unpleasant feeling tone. But for example, if you are in a, in a place which is in nature and you hear the birds, then, then you can explore the pleasant feeling tone. Or if you are in a very noisy place, then possibly unpleasant, which might turn to neutral. So I think if you do the listening meditation, then there is more range of feeling tone you might be able to experience. And the same way if you do the sensation, that is interesting to do body scanning because you can pay attention either to the sensation of contact, which will be more neutral, or you can be aware of the sensation of the, in the body. Some might be pleasant, some might be unpleasant. So I think, to me, this is kind of like the, a little the monitoring of the anchor, using the anchor to explore different feeling tone. Also, I think when we sit in meditation, a lot of the time we're quite calm. And then with the awareness, you'll be aware of neutral. So then, to me, I think, yes, to do the feeling, Personally, I use a feeling tone meditation more in terms to help me to be more in the experience. But generally, I would not encourage people to try to define. So we're not trying to, oh, pleasant number two and a half, or unpleasant minus, da da. But just to be aware of the slight tonality to go in the experience. But in terms of the feeling tone, I would more recommend to do it when you do the walking, especially if you walk in nature. I mean, this, I mean, when you walk, do walking meditation, visual. This is something we can really explore, which when we sit, unless we open the eyes and look around, 
But when you do walking meditation, I think it's wonderful you can do with visual contact. And with visual contact is so immediate. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, being in New York is kind of uh, the people, everything. I mean, the visual contact is really, so that's why I would suggest to kind of look at the anchor. Thank you. Hello, my name is Deepak. Thank you, Martin, for being here. My question is, uh, how would you relate uh, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral to greed, aversion, and delusion? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this, uh, this is something that, um, uh, in a way, I'll talk about tomorrow, but in a more practical way. So, of course, Generally, the pleasant feeling tone are linked to greed, the unpleasant feeling tone are linked to hatred, and the neutral to confusion. But personally, I think to use the term greed, hatred, and confusion, I find them they, they're too general, you know? Uh, because, you know, sometimes you might say to somebody, you know, you are a greedy person. But are they greedy all the time? You know, maybe sometime. I find it more interesting in terms of that to look at what I look at tomorrow is grasping. That's I find more interesting. You know, you have, because you have pleasant, unpleasant, neutral feeling tone, do you grasp or not? But yes, of course, we can connect to this kind of more general category. And that's where, I mean, that's where they come from. You see, that's why personally, often, when we look at things, I think it's too late. So, you know, you might start with an, a little unpleasant feeling tone here, and suddenly you're shouting at somebody there, and I think it's a little too late. I mean, of course, you can be aware of it then because you can't avoid it. But personally, I think if you were looking at it more at the beginning, then you might still say a few strong words, but possibly less intense. And that's why I think it's interesting to look more at the beginning than when it's really like what I would call the big manifestation of it. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Martin. Um, continue, continue with the neutral. I just finished doing the Brahma Viharas, the four immeasurables. And um, when, after Zen, I got into Theravada, I did a lot of Vipassana, and it wasn't really working well for me until I discovered Metta. So it seems like in our practice, we need to develop this Vipassana kind of mindfulness, of watching the tones and things. But then Bhavana, the developmental part of what has to be developed, um, it seems like a practice where this pleasantness and resting in this um, kind of, uh, as you were saying, caring, careful, kind of, not judgmental, but easy, kind of, just being. Uh, Tibetans would say non-dual, rigpa, or resting in the awareness itself. Or, And uh, my question was that even in equanimity, when we develop the metta, loving kindness, boundless compassion, 
appreciative joy and equanimity, the abbot said, in order to stay mindful, you have to come back to it again and again, but it has to continue with the, a, a, a kind of a gentle, pleasurable to stay in this sort of um, bhavana states of development. And, and maybe I'm being biased right now, developing the, this after coming from Zen, the seven factors of awakening joy was a mystery to me. <laughs> Uh, and how important it is, this kind of, um, to stay in this pleasant feeling, develop and be very aware of how to develop that without disregarding the discernment of vipassana that we need to awaken through the subtle, as you're talking about, tone feeling. So my question is kind of, how do we then sort of um, know when to do what? And I suppose it'll take time, but even when Sariputta became awakened, and people said, what do you feel? He says, you feel nothing, right? I go, no, 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 it's, it's pleasant. So how would you? First, I think it's very important to, to see that the Buddha felt feeling tone the same. You know, after, I mean, after awakening, he still had feeling tones. And there is many episodes in his life where you could see he had unpleasant feeling tone, and all the way he had more pleasant feeling tone and then neutral feeling tone. But that, in a way, you know, he was not reacting to them. He was kind of creatively engaging with them. And I think, in a way, we have to see there are different aspects in terms of the, the feeling tone. You have the fact of being first, I think, to be mindful of them. I think this is, to me, this is a very interesting exploration. It's not the only thing to be mindful of, but it can be a very useful thing to be mindful of. And also, then you have the bhavana aspect, the development aspect, to see that the Buddha, what one, that's why you have one of the Eightfold Paths, is appropriate effort. And one of the efforts is actually to you have two efforts. One is to maintain positive states once they have arisen, and the second effort is to try to help positive states that have not yet arisen to arise. So basically, both of these are about pleasant feeling too. And what the Buddha saw is that, of course, if we feel more peaceful, more joyous, then we are more compassionate, more wise. It's not the only thing, but it really helps. So I think the bhavana practice of loving kindness, compassion is a little different, but rejoicing, basically rejoicing and appreciative joy and metta are very much about uh, helping us in a very skillful way to develop pleasant feeling tone, which helps us over time to develop very positive quality for ourselves and others. Then the compassion aspect, this is actually to help us to be able to be compassionate. And in a way, I see the compassionate uh, bhavana actually to help us to deal with suffering. But this is another talk, let's say. <laughs> and then, of course, equanimity is for us to, I would say, to see uh, what we can gain from uh, being aware, cultivating, uh, neutral, but neutral in terms of grounding, stability, balance, and things of that nature. So 
<coughs> Personally, I would see that it's a question of cultivation and effect, your question, basically. In the Zen tradition, in the Korean Son tradition, where in, in Korea, for 10 years, I sat in meditation, 10 hours a day, six months of the year, and the only thing I did was to ask, what is this, what is this, what is this? That's all I did. But within six months of doing that, first thing, I became aware in a caring and careful way. Secondly, I became more truly compassionate. So you can do uh, a practice, you can practice samatha and vipassana, and I think it will help you to develop wisdom and compassion and positive state. Or you can cultivate them directly as with metta and mudita and upeka and karuna. So I think it kind of depends because some people love to do metta, and I know people who hate it. I mean, how can you hate loving kindness? But they don't, compassion. they don't hate, no, no, they don't hate loving kindness. It's just the practice itself doesn't work for them. But it doesn't mean they cannot do something else which will help them to develop loving kindness and compassion. So personally, I think it depends. You can do it directly or you can do it indirectly. So you mean it, more implicit or explicit kind of? Yeah, exactly. It depends on people's um, need and development personalities. But also yeah. there is environment. You see what, I mean, I was a, a Zen, a son nun in Korea for 10 years. And so we just did, what is this, what is this? And so there was, but this was with the three training of ethics, meditation, and wisdom. And every two weeks we recited the Bodhisattva precept, which was all about compassion. And me living in the temple, I could see a lot of the people did what they did because of the Bodhisattva precept. And that, to me, was where also a lot of the bhavana came in. It was actually through cultivating and what I would call a, not a rule and regulation ethics, but a real living ethics in terms of the environment, in terms of relationship, in terms of animals and everything. So that was interesting for me to see the two aspects, knowing the son tradition and the vipassana with the implicit, explicit, and also what are the factors? You know, is it just through meditation or is it also through a sick or is it also through the wisdom training? Thank you. Hi, thank you. I appreciated what you shared about using feeling tone in the ethics practice. And it, it's something that I've been noticing a lot for me that, you know, just watching how like Dharma unravels for me. And I, I wonder if you have any suggestions for practices, for example, when I'm when I notice uh, an unpleasant feeling tone, you know, I do sort of the basic vipassana, like I recognize and I accept and investigate, and it's just sort of a lot. You know, it's a lot to be with in, in that general, in those general ways. It's hard to allow and open to that. So I'm thinking that perhaps some type of concentration techniques, like what you're saying, maybe paying attention to how long, um, like I'm in a state, just ways to kind of stop me from going into the action, like an unskillful action. So I'm curious if you have any 
other ideas about techniques, maybe concentration or something else that I can do to investigate the unpleasant feeling tone. Okay, first I would recommend to, I see the manifestation of these as generally having generally three levels, light, habitual, and intense. And generally, we focus on the intense. And personally, I would actually recommend actually not to focus on the intense. If you have an intense feeling tone, it's so there, you don't need to focus on it on top of it. <laughs> Where generally it's more, it makes it often more intense. And then generally I would, in a way, focus on something else. Put it like, you know, you can use the anchor either to put something in the foreground or in the background. So if it's really intense, unless you are in a samadhi, which then is fine, you can go into it and you will experience it differently, I would say just leave it in the background, focus on something else so that it does not intensify. But what is interesting is actually more the light level, you know, to kind of notice, hmm, I'm okay, and then suddenly something happened. Maybe I heard something, or I saw something, or I did something, or I had a thought. When it's light, but to see it not with the kind of like judging, but more, hmm, there is a little change here. There is like, ah, how long is this going to last? So instead of going into the meaning of it, because you see, you have the feeling tone, which is just a contact with a little something. And then generally, very quickly, we have the feeling sensation here because then we go into the commenting. It's this, it's that, and then you go into association. And so there is two things one can do. One can either be aware of the feeling tone, but sometimes it's a little subtle when it's light, but when it veer in what I would call more feeling sensation, and if it's not intense, to go where you feel the, the sensation in the body. And instead of going into the commenting, this is this, that, sadness, anger, or whatever, how does it feel? Does it move? And just exploring. <coughs> and then you have the, the middling level, which then, there it's more like habitual. It's like there is certain kind of different feeling tone you can recognize due to different situation. And then I think there you can play with the condition. Notice, like once I was um, working with somebody and she said, I feel guilty. I feel guilty all the time. And I said, can we look at it a little bit? And I, first I asked her to observe when she did not feel guilty, but not in comparison to feeling guilty, but when she did not feel, when she felt well, just to notice she felt well. So then she started to see actually she was not feeling guilty all the time. Next, I said, well, notice what are the conditions? And finally, she was able to see it was one person. Whenever she met that person, she felt guilty. And then she could start to work with that person, you know, when she met that person and things like that. So the middling level is actually a little habitual. And then it's interesting to look at condition and to look at the impermanence 
in that way. So that's what I would look light, habitual, and then intense, I would kind of, mm, all right. I mean, with intense, I would try not to amplify. But to see that generally intense happen because it's a shock to the system, something happened, frustrating, shocking, and it has to go through the system. And you have to wait for it to pass. And the only thing we can really do is really not amplify it if we can. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, in speaking about the habitual, I notice in myself there's an almost pleasant aspect to uh, habitual sadness. It's part of identity, I think. I'm a sensitive person. So I can maintain that. So could you talk about, is it the condition or recognizing there's a reward in there somewhere? I think it's, it's a, uh... You see, when things become habitual, but sometimes it's, um, you see, uh, the way I would look at it is that there is function. function. There is function, like uh, we have thought, this is function. We have emotion, this is a function of the organism. So meditation is not about s stopping functioning, but on the contrary, it's helping us to go back to what I would call creative functioning. But over time, this function of thinking, of having emotion, of having sensation of relationship, often over time, they become habituated. And so we have certain thought, we have certain feelings. And then, generally, we create stories. You see, the function of sadness, the function of sadness is, I think, to stop, to make us empathize, to make us rest, to make us reflect. I think there is many function to sadness. But then, if it becomes habituated, uh, it kind of loses its function, like which is to, in this situation, one is sad, and then in this situation, one doesn't need to be sad, you know? And so it's kind of then how we identify with, with, with the sadness. Like, I am a sad person, which means I am a sensitive person, which means I'm a compassionate person, which means I'm a good Buddhist. I mean, you, <laughs> I mean you, you can do different things. You can do different things with it, you know? And then the question is, yeah, I mean, uh, what is it before? You see, me, what I would do is before I call it sadness, what is it? You know, is it like a funny feeling? Is it just like suddenly there is a change? Is it because there is suddenly there is less energy? Because you see, it could be more physiological than actually emotional or mental. It could, you could suddenly have a kind of, you know, I mean, I know for myself when I, uh, once I do this little thing in uh, being in America and I go back home for a week, I'll be like kind of a, really out of it. And so I really won't be very creative. I will just, you know, do the minimum required. And that's the way 
things happen. And then one day I wake up and up, I'm back to creativity and movement, and it's very physiological. So I think it's before we call it something, oh, this is mental, this is emotional. I would say, hmm, could be physiological, could be outer conditions. So in a way to explore, before we name it, to explore it. Hi, thank you. <laughs> I think you've been referring to my question uh, all night, but um, so because there's uh, feelings and then there's perceptions, right? You you um, have a contact, feeling, tone, perception, attention, intention. Uh huh. But in terms of uh, mind, mindfulness of uh, feeling tone. Yeah, feeling tones, and then there's um, mindfulness of. Pers uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, right. I have not gone into that. This is right. a huge subject. Yeah, but uh, so you, you were saying that we sort of, we have feeling tones about the awareness of the feeling tone. Um, you, you mentioned that. So like, let's say there's the contact and then um, there's a feeling about the contact and then there's a feeling about the feeling about the contact, right? Um, there's a feeling about the contact, and then there's a feeling about the feeling about the contact, right? Uh, you could also have that, but um, uh, this is possible. What you're describing is possible when what I was talking more was more about uh, you have the feeling tone of the contact itself, but if you're aware, like when we talk of sati, which is if you're aware, in a, there is a difference I would make between being conscious of something, which is generally fairly neutral and doesn't necessarily change anything, just the fact that we're conscious as a conscious human being. And what we're trying to develop is this caring and careful awareness, which also has stability and openness, which also when we are in that state of awareness has a certain feeling tone. But yeah, you. But uh, yeah. So I don't know if you were going onto this caring and careful awareness. Feeling. For example, I feel um, a lot of times like I would either feel either in meditation or not in meditation, either um, let's say bo bodily uh, tiredness or anxiety. Like let's say in meditation, I'll feel like my jaw clenching. And, uh, and that's, that creates, an, an, the, the immediate response is a negative feeling tone. But then I'll, then I'll have um, even more uh, negative thinking about, you know, the, the, that interaction of the contact between the physical anxiety and the negative response to it. And then I, I, I can go into a cycle of like, well, why is it, you know, what's happening? What's wrong with the practice? I won't necessarily, uh, you know, create like a, a, a narrative about it, but it'll be like a, not so much verbal, but it'll definitely become more and more negative. Like a, a, a narrative about it, but it'll be like a, not so much verbal, but it'll definitely become more and more negative. Yeah, no, no, this is what I call the judging of the judging of the judging. Yeah. You know, it's like when actually the awareness, instead of being caring and careful, piggyback. 
on the judging tendency. And, and that's, I think we have to be very, uh, if we can, very kind of careful with that one, with the judging mind, which means, whoops, you know, and kind of very categorical and thing like that, which can be mental or can be just kind of this funny kind of like um, emotional thing which spread. But I think one of the things we have to look at in terms of the meditation, like sitting meditation or walking meditation, is in a way to, 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 be, to look at effort. What do we, when we think about effort, what do we think about? It's very interesting in terms of what you talk about, like the jaw. Because I too, I sit in meditation, and I've been doing meditation for a long time, and I find myself, and I realize that why we do this is actually because we associate effort with tensing. You see, when we were young and people said, concentrate, we, we did not do this, we, you know? And immediately we have this very strong association with tensing in order to show to ourselves and to bring all our energy to make this work. And I think one of the key things when we meditate is actually what's called in Zen effortless effort, is how can I sit in meditation, be really there, but without clenching to make it more powerful or this or that, because so apparently that's what I've learned to do. Because when I started in Korea, I was, what is it? What is it? What is it? You know, <laughs> which really defeated the purpose. So in a way, we have to kind of sit there and then you, you find like, oops, and then you just relax. In, and not in a way, comment on it. I think the, the difficulty is when we think, oh, I am, uh, my door are tight, which must mean, that's where the perception comes in, which must mean I'm anxious. If I am anxious, I'm an anxious person, and then off we go. Well, actually, what is it? You're clenching the door because you're trying hard. Hmm? Can I relax the door? You see, I mean, the perception, we cannot, this is not something I'm thinking of working with next, is mindfulness of perception and how the impact of how we perceive things. But this is a very good question. Hey, Martin, thank you for being here. I have a real-life example of what you were speaking about earlier with the plus eight feeling tones of positive and then coming down. I have a lot of time to think in my job, so I give myself permission, so it's awareness, to fantasize that I won lotto, $368 million. I'm rich. Feeling tones away up here. How am I gonna distribute it? Who's gonna get what? What funds am I gonna, so I have fun playing the giveaway game. I don't get involved in the, is it ego or is it real compassion? That's for later. But then all of a sudden, it comes down because I realize that I'm really poor. So now we're back to neutral. Then I'm thinking to myself as a good Buddhist, well, if I really want to help these people, I'm going to have to spend my time and my limited resources, and now I'm at a negative two. So I don't fantasize too much anymore because it's too much of a drop. <laughs> and I said, but the feeling tones, and I can feel them. So I don't go that high anymore, because, or I, I stay there a short time because I know it's going to come down, and it's 
it's not real. It's a feeling tone that feels good for the moment, but it doesn't last. Short time, because I know it's going to come down, and it's, it's not real. It's a feeling tone that feels good for the moment, but it doesn't last. Yeah, you know, because this is very much uh, what uh, I would call the ha mental habits of daydreaming. And this is a danger of daydreaming, is that uh, when you get out of it, then you're frustrated because of, oh, what's going on is not, uh, and then you have that shift. And I was talking to, 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 to a young man when I was in South Africa many years ago, working in, he was in prison and friends of mine were teaching them meditation. And I was talking about that and he was saying, yes, in prison, you need to daydream enough to give you a little bit of pleasant feeling tone, but not too much so that you get really upset of being in prison and not. And so it was very interesting that he, through the meditation, he was becoming aware of that, just like you are. And possibly we'll stop here. Unless, yeah, I think we might uh, be with you tonight.